0: Hello, welcome to Helen Talks Who. I'm Helen and today I'm going to be talking about the Slitheen episode, which actually, if I stick to the plan of what I want to discuss, is not going to involve talking that much about the Slitheen, because there's a lot of other stuff going on in these episodes. Um, So my first memories of the Slitheen episode, honestly, don't remember it at all and there's going to be there's going to be a few episodes like that later in this series because yeah I I was 11 I, I I don't remember um I also definitely wasn't tuned into like the Iraq war satirical undertones of this these episodes at the time either N- nowadays I do get what they're referencing um but probably not as much as someone who was an adult and living at that um, uh, sorry, an adult and living at that time. I was living at that time. I wasn't an adult. You know what I mean. Um. So my overall thoughts on this episode. Firstly, like, really enjoy watching these two episodes. I'm not sure what it is about them, but they're just... They just drew me in. Um. They're, like, part alien invasion, part political intrigue, part soap opera. They're just us. Oh, so good. Again, I don't think there are episodes that I would put on a list of my favourite ever episodes of Doctor Who, but they're very much ones I enjoy whenever I rewatch them. Um favourite parts of it I've I love. I really love the like the news programme, the the sort of narrative framing device. I yeah, I really love that that way of doing things it makes it feel really realistic it makes it feel like very contemporary um and the contemporary references um really haven't dated that much I mean I mean obviously there's a lot of things like the phones are all very naughty but it still feels sort of it still feels like it would reflect sort of you know a normal british kind of uh estate you know the um the scenes where rose and her family are all sat around watching the tv like that still feels very um very kind of relevant um obviously the um the main iraq war link the massive weapons of destruction bit that dates it to like this particular historical moment but it all still feels relevant and I, I was hoping that there might be some, I I could offer some, you know, erudite commentary about uh, about these episodes and, and, and what we've just seen with um, Boris Johnson and everything that's going on with politics in the UK. But uh, no, sorry, unfortunately, um, I haven't managed to make any link there. I'm going to kick off talking about Rose. Um 'Cause obviously I'm aware that I've talked a lot about Rose over the last couple of episodes. Um, and the only thing I kind of want to comment on here is have, having had that focus on her for the um for the first few episodes, I can see in this episode how important it is that Rose has to face some consequences for running away with the doctor. Um, like she was worried in episode two that she was being reckless you know she she worried about that she she worried that that running away with the doctor was was a rash thing to do and should she have done it and actually this episode shows that she was right to worry about it because she actually faces some you know fairly severe consequences um I think I mean in some ways she sort of gets off lightly um it could have been a lot uh ...a lot worse sort of Dunley turning up a year later with having, having been missing. But yeah, she really, um, she had to deal with that and that's very fitting. Uh, but that's the only thing I'm going to talk about, uh, specifically with Rose this episode... ...because I want to talk about the Doctor. I've not talked about the Doctor, like, that much in the last, uh, in in the last few episodes. Um... Whenever I'm watching the Ninth Doctor episodes, like obviously Christopher Eccleston's performance is so good, and there's so many like little moments. There's so many sort of like little flourishes that kind of uh, m- make the Ninth Doctor so um so 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 good and 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 so good to watch. But in this episode particularly, his enthusiasm is is infectious particularly in the first episode um he and rose really come along come along come across um as friends like really good friends rather than people who have you know met very recently and are still kind of feeling their way through it they come across uh they've sort of settled into uh traveling together there's been flashes of it obviously because otherwise you know they wouldn't be such a great partnership, um, and we wouldn't want to spend time with them so much. But in this episode, like they've really sort of settled into in into becoming really good friends, um, and like. W- she trusts him so much. We see that in the uh, in the second episode of this series with, uh, the doctor saying, you know, if if I if I don't do this, then everyone dies. But you know it's risky, and her just going, yeah, do it she trusts him absolutely completely and that's very soon um I know it kind of has to be because you know it's a 13 episode series and well we know what happened at the end of the series um but yeah it's it um it's sooner than I remember it being as is the um I could save the world but lose you line for some reason, in my head, I always had that as being later on in this series, possibly in like episode twelve or thirteen. But no, it's here. It it's five episodes in, um, but it doesn't feel unearned, like it doesn't feel out of nowhere, because because of how the Doctor and Rose have interacted. Um, yeah, it it just with how they've interacted, it's really hard to tell that that this story was the first one they filmed back in. A, Back in two thousand and four, um, but yeah, I just love seeing the doctor enthusiastic about about traveling, and that really comes across in in episode four. Um, in episode five, he gets a bit more serious. Um, I wondered if that's because it's sort of episode four. It's um, it's still in his comfort zone, and sort of humans kind of have it under control. Um, but then in episode five, it sort of becomes clear that it's sort of outside of human ability to deal with. Um, so yeah, I wondered if that's why it gets more serious. Um, one thing as I was watching that kind of jarred a bit with the Doctor's characterisation was him being quite so aggressive to Mickey. Um, like, Mickey's not, you know, he's he's not really done anything to to have the doctor be quite that aggressive towards him particularly as like the doctor's navigation error which i'll uh, talk about a bit more later like that's had such an effect on mickey and i know part of the characterization of the ninth doctor is that he um you you know not exactly tuned into human emotion shall we say but like come on uh but so I I kind of made that note, you know, halfway through the first episode, um, but actually I had forgotten what a key part uh Mickey had in in the revolution to the episode, um. So so it does pay off, but yeah, when I was watching episode four, it did sort of jar that he was being quite so uh, quite so much of a of a jerk to Mickey, um. Cause uh, I mean by the end of it, the Doctor trusts him to you know. Put the um put put that virus online to delete mentions of of him, which i'd forgotten that he he did, and i'd also forgotten that the doctor offers Mickey the chance of like coming with him again at this stage. I thought that happened later um, and it's really interesting that mickey's still at the stage where he's seen too much of the danger to say yes, um not just in with the Autons and with this episode, but probably also in, like, the internet searching and the research that he's done in that missing year. um, Like, Mickey's definitely read some stuff. <laughs> While I was watching this episode, I kept getting distracted by all of the links to things to come, the stuff that builds off this episode, and all of the links back to, kind of, general who... Uh, mythos when when I was watching um so yeah I'm gonna talk about a few of the uh of, a few of the bits and pieces on that topic um firstly the whoops wrong time thing the navigational error um obviously this is like a classic thing that we see in Doctor Who all the time um and we even saw it last episode the unquiet He was what nine years out uh, this one's way more severe, and actually, I think it it's certainly more severe than I think we ever saw in classic Doctor Who. Um, for instance, in classic Doctor Who, you have Ian and Barbara get dropped back three years later. Um, I I think so. They leave in nineteen sixty three, and they get dropped back in nineteen sixty six, and we don't see the consequences of that. There there will have been consequences, and and goodness knows how they got round those. But uh, we don't see those consequences. And also, like, Sarah Jane being dropped off in the wrong city. Like, again, we don't see the consequences of that. Um, and, and neither of those are super severe. Um, but this one is. This one is. And we see the consequences. We We see quite a lot of what... Jackie and mickey have have had to deal with over the year because of the doctor accidentally going to the wrong uh to the wrong time um and i think i'm I'm trying to think even in like uh post two thousand and five dot who if we see a time thing that's quite this severe again, suppose we do with Amy. um yeah we do we do see it with Amy. Uh, well, I'll have to wait and see during my rewatch, won't I? I'll have to, th- I'll have to see if we get it again. Um, yeah, the other thing that we obviously get in this episode is unit, uh, still being called United Nations instead of Unified, um, and I feel like I'm saying quite a lot. Oh, I really, I forgot this was happening. Like, I'm, I'm not going to apologize. For it, like this is why I'm doing a rewatch because it has been a while since I've since I've watched all of these episodes, uh, certainly all together. So um, so you Nick. um, yeah, I sometimes forget that they're explicitly talked about in this episode, cause my memory has it that the series four Suntaran episodes are like their first appearance, and I mean that's the first time that in post-2005 Doctor Who that we see the Doctor working with unit, like, properly working with unit, not just ordering a bunch of soldiers and, and having them follow his instructions, which, again, an- another stand-out moment of the episode uh, for me, that, I loved that. Um, but, yeah, no, they're here, and, and they're sort of, like, pretty much covers exactly who they are, um, I guess the only difference to when we see them later on is we don't have, like, the Doctor's contact at unit. You know, we don't have a Kate Stewart or a Brigadier or a, uh, whats the name of the series 4 one, uh, Alastair something or other. Um, they're just there as sort of a general organisation rather than a specific person. Another, um... Big thing that sort of gets introduced in this episode, rather than not linking back to uh, classic Doctor Who, but but sort of linking forward, um, is this idea of how the general public, how much they know about aliens, and how that's going to develop. Um and that's particularly obviously through the Russell T Davies era where it builds to you know everyone knows about the last few invasion then everyone can remember the events of, of of the last few series. um and then also later on when um you know in order to not completely break the world and still to have this sort of re- um relatable uh, everyday. Kind of setting you know alien va- invasions get either forgotten or unwritten or considered to be hoaxes and and the um the seeds of that are here with uh with mickey showing the uh newspaper at the end of the episode that says oh yeah it was just a hoax um and there's even like little things like so my favourite link in this episode is uh Naikomori's small role as the uh, as, as the doctor who looks at the um alien pig. Like later in the Torchwood series, that's canonically said that that's Toshiko. Like that's the same character. And whenever I watch this, I'm always looking for... Is there something that sort of vaguely contradict contradict that, but there really isn't. Like there is nothing in her role there that um, that contradicts the fact that that's Tashiko, um, and yeah, all all of these links and um, and stuff it 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 does show. It it maybe sort of explains why I like these episodes so much because they're very kind of formative you know they build the world of the doctor with unit and um and uh harriet jones who i'm gonna talk a little bit more about uh but it also um it the start of a lot of stuff that we know is going to become significant with um partly like sorry just occurring to me now partly like the um the kind of soap opera approach to the companion family like obviously that continues and and really comes into its own in the next uh, in the next few series um and also the newsreel stuff and yeah it's just it's, it's just really good isn't it um so no wonder I kept getting distracted by thinking about the uh, the kind of various myth off links there. Um, so the other topic I want to talk about is Harriet Jones. Um the scenes with Rose Harriet and the Doctor in Downing Street gotta be my favourite ones of these episodes. Like, um again, it's it's just the performances. You've got these three actors at the top of their game doing dialogue that's, you know, <laughs> written by someone who's very good at his job. And, um, yeah, it, it's just very good. Um, so there are a few points, a few things that stood out to me about Harriet Jones, other than just, I love her and, and she's excellent. Um, we have, when they're deciding whether or not to um, send the missiles and do that kind of risky plan... Um, Harriet Jones gives the Doctor the order to save the world as the only elected representative in the room. I found this really interesting because later in uh, various episodes um, we'll get the Doctor asking his companion for permission or to choose to make a choice as as a representative of of Earth itself rather than just the country. Um, So I found it really interesting that, that we've got kind of uh the the political uh undertone there and and the sort of uh yeah I thought that was a that was a really interesting link um the other thing I was thinking about was how cool would it have been if Harriet really had stayed in charge for you know 10 plus years like the doctor says she's going to at the end of the episode like the doctor would have had you know an actual sort of working relationship with the prime minister imagine imagine harriet jones as like a sort of kate stewart figure who you know occasionally gets the doctor to come in and consult and uh and and stuff like that how cool would that have been um and and like also the idea of like britain having a prime minister who's had experience with the with aliens and knows how the doctor does things like how would that have changed certain um certain uh, i'm trying to think of which stories in particular kind of interact with the british government in in the next few series and i am drawing a bit of a blank um but yeah it would have been really cool if harriet really had stayed in charge for that long like um i get like the story that they do with harriet is also very good and I'm sure I'll talk about that a lot more with the Christmas invasion but yeah it would have been really cool if she'd been prime minister for 10 years um but on that note thinking ahead to Christmas invasion I I mean I did think about whether I should talk about this now or talk about it later but I'm going to talk about it now because I've had the thought during this episode so in Christmas invasion um the missiles that Harriet fires that, you know, essentially get her deposed as Prime Minister. Those were Tortured Missiles, which obviously was formed by the Doctor and Rose's adventure with Queen Victoria in the next series. Um so what I was wondering is did Tooth and Claw actually change history then? Did they, you know, jump a time track into a I mean, not a parallel universe in the sense that we're gonna see in theory too, but like a parallel universe in 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 the sense that we get with some of the time crack stuff later where people have forgotten stuff and I'm I'm sure there's other things where it's like, oh yeah, we're just gonna say that didn't exactly happen in this in in this uh in in this time track, in this uh version of reality. Um so yeah, I i I think that's gonna be my headcanon now is is that um, if we'd had series two without Tooth and Claw, if they hadn't have caused Torchwood to be created, that would have led to Harriet having power for 10 years and then and the Golden Age. And, and I think they jumped a time track. Um, that's my new headcanon. So those are all the points I wanted to discuss for this episode. All that's left is to decide whether this is a coincidence, a cause or a catalyst episode. So are the monsters there independent of the Doctor because of the Doctor or do they accelerate their plan because of him? This is another coincidence, like um, the Slavine were doing their thing. I mean, it's in no way a coincidence that the TARDIS draws the Doctor here and you could probably probably make a very convincing argument for uh the Slovene kind of causing uh causing them to, to be drawn off, off off track because we know how much the TARDIS likes to bring the doctor to uh to places that he'll find interesting or, or, or that he need to be to, to save the world. Um but yeah, the Slavine being there is in no way to do with the Doctor. There is, um so I talked about the Rose Target novelisation in the first episode. Um, there is a bit in that book that implies that the Autons destroy the Houses of Parliament. Um, I seem to remember they destroy uh, the uh, Millennium Wheel. as well. uh, Millennium Wheel? Is it called the Millennium Wheel? The London Eye that's what it's called jesus christ uh <laughs> um yeah so um the autons destroyed the houses of parliament point being that that's what allows so many Slavine to get in power at once because it uh i guess kills a bunch of mps and trigger the load of by-elections which the Slovene are in a position to capitalize on um but yeah that's so thank you for listening. Um, I have an email address for this podcast. If you want to get in touch and share your thoughts on some of the mythos links or, you know, enthuse about how good a character Harriet Jones is with me, uh, please do get in contact. I'd love to hear from people. Um, if anyone's listening, of course. Uh, that email address is helentalkshu at gmail.com. Um, thank you very much for listening. And I will see you next time for Dalek, which I'm very excited for. See ya.